0: Welcome to The Next CMO, a podcast for the next generation of marketing leaders. I'm Peter Mahoney, a self-described nerd CMO with experience as the top marketing executive for startups to multi-billion dollar public companies.
1: And I'm Dan Falkner. I'm just a nerd.
0: Typical, Dan. Uh, thank you. Uh, so in this episode, Dan and I are pleased to welcome Anita Brereton, the founder and CEO of Cabinet M., for a discussion about marketing operations, the emergence of the category, what's included in it, and the technical and operational implications and all sorts of other stuff that may come up along the way. So welcome, Anita.
2: Hello. Nice to be here today.
0: Great. Uh, Hey, first, if you could just tell us a little bit, uh, Dan and I, of course, know a lot about Cabinet M, but uh, we want everyone else to know a little bit about uh, what you guys are up to. So give us a little bit of background about Cabinet M.
2: Okay, so Cabinet M is a platform that helps marketing technology um, groups find the technology they need and manage the technology that they have. We classify ourselves as a marketing technology management platform.
0: I, I bet that's tricky these days because uh, Dan always likes to show me the, uh, the famous Scott Brinker MarTech chart with uh, how, how many MarTech companies are in it now, Dan?
1: Um, they claim seven thousand. I like to hold it up and just shake my head in a slightly disappointed way.
0: <laughs> okay
2: yeah. and I think um, I think there truly are at least seven thousand companies. We have ten thousand in our database, and um, early on, we fueled that landscape. But the important statistic is the number of actual technology tools that are being used within organizations, and I will tell you it is not unusual to see companies using anywhere from 200 to 300 products to acquire, engage and retain their customers, which is frightening.
0: Yeah. Frightening wow. is, is definitely, uh, definitely a word. And is that, so do you typically see it, that kind of numbers coming from big companies or, or medium sized companies? What, what, what's the split for the, sort of the company size that's driving that kind of uh, number of systems they're dealing with?
2: Um, so one of the interesting things is you can see that number in across the spectrum of companies. So you take a company like ours, Cabinet M, we're a tiny company, we're a startup, we're three years old, and you know we're already using forty different uh, marketing technology tools. Um, but typically, I would say the average small to medium sized company is probably somewhere between, Seventy-five and a hundred, and then a larger company, somebody that's at a hundred million in revenue or up, is in the two hundred to three hundred range.
0: Yeah, that's uh, uh, go ahead, Dan.
2: And Anita,
1: are those all specialized marketing tools? Um, one thing I've noticed when I look at the the seven thousand companies is that um, quite frequently they might be quite generic tools that happen to be being applied to a marketing task rather than specialized marketing tools built by marketers, for marketers, that kind
2: of thing? Yeah, so, so there are a couple of interesting nuances there. You're absolutely right. So the way we look at tools is if a marketer touches it, it goes into our database. And we find that as marketing teams want to document their tech stack, they want to include those um, tools like the productivity tools, like the Slack mm-hmm. and the Trellos and the Asanas. Um, So those find their way into the marketing tech stack as well. And then the second nuance is that what's not shown on that Scott Brinker um, chart is the amount of internally tech developed technology that companies use in marketing. And we have seen instances where there's as much internally developed technology as there is acquired technology.
0: That's that's pretty interesting because that, that of course, creates a, a whole different set of problems that you're dealing with. C- can you tell us, Anita, a little bit about the, uh, the kind of people you're seeing in marketing ops these days who are dealing these with these things? W- where do they come from, uh, Who the people who have to deal with all these systems?
2: Yeah, so I think marketing operations is a function that is probably um, less than 10 years old. Um, It serves as a bridge between um, traditional marketing and IT, so what we see is that the folks that occupy positions in the marketing operations team uh, frequently come from IT. Um, They're all deeply technical, Um, so they may have come from a digital marketing background, and they are capable of diving deep into technology and analytics, and in some cases, um, doing some development work themselves
0: yeah that's that's interesting because that implies a a couple of things It implies a pretty technical group, as you said it, it also it it puts a box around marketing operations. Dan and I were having a discussion recently about the way we think about marketing operations, i guess capital m capital o uh, I don't know if that's the right way to make that designation. I mean the bigger more generic thing. Does that mean I capitalize it or not dan
1: uh let's let's agree that it does. <laughs> okay. Okay.
0: So the the broader concept of marketing operations uh, is uh, is we we think a little bit more expansive. And Dan, you had a pretty good way to to uh, to think about this. Why don't, why don't you share your view here?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think about um, marketing operations uh, kind of as an analog within the marketing function of how we think about operational management more broadly. So uh, for me, marketing operations would include the creation of the strategy, the plan that comes from the strategy, the allocation of funds, and then the monitoring, measurement and, and adaptation of the plan as execution is happening. So it's kind of inherently one step back from the front line of marketing execution, but it's really critical to providing all the supporting infrastructure and um, and insight from the data. I, I think that you, you should rely on marketing operations people, not just to kind of install the technology and use the technology, but uh, I think when it's done well, it incorporates being able to synthesize the data that's coming out of that very large number of tools and be able to tell a story and draw the right conclusions to drive the strategy forward.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: So what I would say is, you know, what you've described really is the function and what I was describing is the organizational structure. Um, And I, so I think you can make the function of marketing operations broader than the marketing operations team. And the one thing that I would say is that the folks that, within the marketing operations team are generally not the folks that are defining the marketing strategy but what they are doing and I think you know the, the most important thing that they do and that sets them apart is that they have this um, ability to translate business and marketing objectives and strategy into technology requirements and then Map a strategy for technology, implement the technology, and then measure that back against its ability to impact um, objectives.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, a really uh, useful distinction to to define the function um, versus you know necessarily the, the the structure of the team. I, I think that works.
0: And, and Anita, I think that that brings us to the the concept that uh, that you at Cabinet M are working on, which is this new marketing operations stack. Why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're thinking there?
2: Yeah, sure. So one of the things that um, that we're doing at the moment at Cabinet M is we have this huge database of marketing and marketing related technology. Um, but you know, as as you know Dan mentioned before, you know, you try and look at the big printed landscapes and it's hard to derive value from um, you know, a static landscape with lots of logos. In fact, you need a magnifying glass at this point to um, to even get to the logo. So what we're doing is we're creating this series of interactive technology stacks for key categories. And one of the things that we're working on at the moment is an interactive technology stack for the marketing operations function. Um, because nobody's ever kind of sliced and diced um, tools and technology that way. You know, these are the tools that really um, provide the foundation for the business of marketing. So we've just started this exercise. We have, we're working to about 10 categories. We've already categorized over 200 products. So um, I always dream when I start these uh, interactive technology stacks that we're going to be able to produce one that has 50 products in it. Um, but once we start digging in, it seems like they get bigger and bigger and bigger. So I expect that we'll end up with something that has around 200, 250 products in it when we're done.
0: And, and if you think about the categories that are inside there, what, what are the major categories of products you see inside that marketing and operations so, stack?
2: Yeah. So some of the categories, marketing, planning, budgeting, resource alignment and collaboration, uh, workflow, project management. Dashboard, digital asset management, marketing technology management, which is our area, um, integration platform, because you know one of the big jobs of marketing operations is making all of these pieces of technology work with one another. Right. Uh, marketing resource management, and um, and we've just uncovered that there's some training programs, online training for marketing operations professionals, so that that might actually make its way in there as well.
0: I think that's a, that's a great list. And, and interestingly, I think some people think about the MRM category marketing resource management is being that inclusive, but I th- I think you've broken it out in a more accurate way. Do you, do you think there's confusion about MRM and, and what's in there versus the broader worldview you have on marketing operations?
2: Oh, definitely. And I think, you know, the, um, The good news about marketing people is we're all very creative. The bad news about marketing people is that we're all very creative and we love jargon and we love, um, you know, presenting ourselves as solving world hunger as opposed to doing a specific task. So, one of the big challenges is to really weed through these platforms to figure out exactly what they do and what they're good at. Um, I cannot tell you how many descriptions I read. That say, you know, we're an integrated um, automation platform for all of your marketing needs. I don't even know where to start parsing that.
0: Yeah, it's it's really interesting. The um, you know we find obviously fitting in this category for uh, Dan and my company, PlanA. Uh, we're focused on the uh, the uh, planning and budgeting side of things, and and as we looked at this world, a lot of people have focused on. Just a niche of marketing, and they think of, hey, here's your here's your plan, but it's really your digital media plan, and 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 it's why we end up talking about the marketing operations in a more holistic way because your your plan uh, and your your budget, which is an artifact of your plan, has to come from a, a broader place and a strategic place, and which is tricky because you have. As you said, a marketing operations function that tends to be measured by sort of technical capabilities, but they really have to connect the strategy of your marketing overall and connect it so that you can actually execute on it at the end of the day. So that's, that, I think that, that drove our questioning in that area. And, and do you see that rub coming in other areas beyond the, the, the marketing planning and budgeting where, where Plana is?
2: Um, we do. We see it. Um, we see it in all sorts of areas. So analytics is a perfect example where we see that, where you know you have these very narrowly defined analytics products, but you know if you're trying to look at something holistically, even though you have this niche analytics product, if it doesn't connect with your other analytics products, you can't look at the big picture, and so. You know in my mind that's the category that makes my head hurt the most because of that Um, but i think we see it all over the place we see people um, talking about being broad but not actually being broad we see um, companies creating their own new categories where they're a category of one player and um, it's hard to discern what they do and where they fit Um, so it's very challenging to kind of figure out how broad somebody is in their functionality um, and whether their breadth is right for the purpose being served. So in your case, where you talk about planning and budgeting, yes, you have to look at holistically. It doesn't really help you to just have, you know, your event budget in isolation. Um, You know, you have to look at, at the big picture there. And then in some other cases, you don't need the big picture. So it's, it's a
1: challenge. It's very interesting, um, Anita. I completely agree with what you were saying, um, and I think the analytics space was a good example. We often see people kind of potentially inadvertently getting buried in tactics because the uh, tools or the technology that they're using confine their view of what's measurable to something that's, that's really kind of quite narrow do you see as you're surveying the the broader landscape um do you see any kind of encouraging trends that will be lifting uh the, the discipline up a bit so that we can get more holistic views
2: well i do see more of a focus on integrations. so you know companies that are developing the niche products are you know putting together an integration strategy from the get-go And I think that's one of the things that um, where we at Cabinet M come into play because uh, companies that are building their tech stacks on our platform can document all of their integrations between their technology tools. And where that becomes really valuable on the vendor side is if the vendor is selling into a new vendor is selling into that account, you know, by having access to, The existing tech stack and understanding where the integrations are they can look at how they need to slot in and integrate so i think there's a big much bigger conversation around integration strategy today than there has been before
0: yeah that's incredibly valuable information by the way that you provided cabinet m anita from both the the vendor perspective and the brand perspective where where we spent a fair amount of time. And from the vendor perspective, of course, understanding the most important integrations for people, the systems that really matter and for the markets that matter for you. And then from the vendor perspective, of course, excuse me, the brand perspective, understanding not only uh, which things are talking to what things, but where their overlaps. And it's interesting because I know you and I have talked before about Uh, One of the areas where people have really enjoyed uh, the benefits of Cabinet M is people who are in an acquisitive environment where you're dealing with different groups coming together and you start to see those overlaps. Uh, That's something that you see a lot, isn't it?
2: It's something we see, yes, we see a lot, a lot, a lot. And, And in every environment, because one of the things that has happened, I think, over the last years is as this technology world of ours has exploded people have spent like drunken sailors so when you start to rationalize the tech stacks you know it's the easy rationalizations are when you see that you've got six different email platforms then you can discuss do we need six? you know and it may not be one it may be two that you need but you probably don't need six the bigger challenge is when you look at the functionality of various platforms um, and look for redundancies there. So, you may not need an email platform and a marketing operations, uh, sorry, a marketing automation platform, um, depending on what you're doing with that marketing automation platform. Or, you may have a great marketing automation platform that has wonderful email capabilities, so, you don't need the separate email platform. So, that rationalization is now starting to happen as people get their hands around the stack.
0: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and and by the way, I saw the stat recently. I think the uh, the the uh, MarTech groups, uh, Scott Brinker's group was uh, publishing a stat. I think it's 29% of budgets are being spent on MarTech these days. And that, that bears out from our data in Plana. We we see that, especially with tech companies and sort of mid-sized tech companies. I, I think you'd see it skewed a little bit differently for consumer brands, you're spending a larger percentage on media, but you definitely see a lot of spending. And, and we know like you, Anita, being a relatively young company, we have, Dan, we were just counting the other day. What, what We have 30 or 40 systems, don't we?
1: Oh yeah. I think, I think certainly between those two.
0: Yeah. And, and the, the effort and cost and complexity of keeping them all integrated uh, even as a relatively small company, is uh, is high. So being able to ad- identify uh, the ability to uh, to synthesize and simplify not only cost, which is obviously a huge uh, a huge factor for most people, but getting uh, getting the level of integration and the benefit of integration by connecting things. And sometimes uh, sometimes less is more uh, in uh, in this area where if you can get something that is a functionality that's built into your platform versus adding a, a separate thing that requires an integration that may not provide hundred percent of the data. That would be a big benefit. I think.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and, you know, I think one of the things that we have to do as marketers is restrain ourselves from jumping on the latest and greatest bandwagon. And, you know, we have a tendency to jump to, Oh, I need an XYZ, I need a yellow platform. And um, instead of doing the, I need to be able to do this. Can my technology that I already have accomplish that for me? Um, and you know, I see, I see more thought around that these days. And I think the other big thing that um, has been surprising, or was a surprise to us. So I now I'm um, coming to realize um, why it's important is is this internally developed technology. So when we started the company. And people would tell us that they have this internally technolo- developed technology. You know, we would hear that they'd done that because they couldn't find what they needed or they needed to write code to integrate um, various pieces. But what's happened over time, and I think this is very relevant to the work that you're doing um, in Plana because you have to account for this um, budgetarily, is that as marketing becomes more and more critical to driving revenue growth and the cost of the um, customer lifetime value. And it's so critical in that process that now companies are looking at technology as a potential way to differentiate themselves. And so they're asking themselves, okay, is there some something that we can build here that will give us a competitive differentiation? And I find that really extraordinary because as we're seeing the number of available tools to be bought, The fact that companies are now starting to put um, product managers in place in the marketing department um, to manage the big platforms and to do the build versus buy decision. And that they're starting to look at all of this um, technology as a way that they can differentiate themselves um, and drive revenue faster, uh, more effectively, and improve the customer experience in a way that their competitors can't.
1: And do you think, uh, Anita, that is um, born out of genuine gaps in in the market, genuine technical gaps in the market, or is it kind of the hubris of the not-invented-here syndrome that that can infect larger companies in particular?
2: Um, I don't. I used to think it was the gap, and um, I don't think that anymore. I don't hear that as much anymore. Um, you know, I hear in the, the New York Times is a perfect example. They have a whole product management function around marketing technology. And, you know, for them, driving subscriptions and, and content distribution is so critical to the, the fundamentals of business that, that while they acquire lots and lots of platforms, they do consciously make a build or buy decision before um, going out to buy something.
0: Well, I'll tell you one thing where I see value in having a product management focus, even if it's just making sure that you're receiving the full benefit of the platform you've invested in. I know for us at, at Plana, my head of product, Dave, is sort of a savant when it comes to understanding and utilizing and integrating these platforms. And and there's just a lot of capability. Like any software, people use 5% of what the developers yeah. build. But if you really understand the capability and, and adapt it appropriately, I think you can get a, a ton of value out of it. So having a, a focus like that, I think, can be really compelling.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So what, what do you see going forward, Anita? That Any sort of new, uh, new concepts and trends around different kinds of systems? What, what are the new kinds of investments you're seeing companies consider as they start to look at their, uh, their tech platform for marketing?
2: So I think um, 2018 and 2019 is definitely the period of the CDP, which doesn't sound very sexy. You know, it's a customer data platform because, you know, it was the hot topic three years ago. Um, But like anything, it was a hot topic for a year. And then there were some brave souls that put their foot in and, and started to implement. And the, The word on the street was that they were very complex and very difficult. Um, But now they seem to have come into their own. So, you know, as much as I'd like to be able to say that everybody's looking for solutions that are enabled by artificial intelligence, um, I think what people are really looking at right now are customer data platforms and really honing in on what their data architecture and data flow is. so perhaps not so sexy as as some of the other things dangling out there, um, but but this is where everybody's actually acts.
1: And the the data platforms are really precursors to the artificial intelligence strategy, I guess. Uh,
2: they are, yes, because you have to build the data set.
1: Yeah, Th-
0: that makes a lot of sense. And uh, you know, D- Dan and I have uh, some pretty strong views when it comes to AI, and, p- and part of the challenge. You know, having come, both of us had worked for a, a company that provided AI solutions in the past, and uh, part of the challenge is people think of uh, use uh, AI as a as a shortcut for software, uh, and so it's it's overused a lot. But you're absolutely right, and it's in fact one of the reasons we're we're building what we call a marketing graph for the way that we look at our our data uh, in in a, a much uh, much more open broader way to try to uh, glean some really interesting insights about how how people are thinking about marketing as we tie these things together so it's uh, it, it, it's an exciting thing uh, well uh, Anita we're, we're running to the end of our time um, but uh, I so I, I wanted to uh, first of all thank you very much for your insights they've' uh, They've been as, as typical in all of our conversations. they've been uh, they've been helpful and thoughtful, so we really appreciate that. And you know we're big fans of Cabinet M. Uh, so can you uh, can you tell uh, both our listeners uh, about uh, how they might <laughs> how they might uh, learn more about Cabinet M, Anita? Uh,
2: yes, sure. So um, well, first of all, if you are approaching rationalizing your marketing technology stack or trying to get your hands around it, Um, We've just published a workbook that we'd be happy to send anybody, so um, just reach out to us through our website, which is cabinetm.com. You can follow us on Twitter at cabinetm, uh, followed by the number one, that's cabinetm1. And um, if you're going to be out at the MarTech conference in early April, we'll be there walking around. We don't have a booth, but we'd be happy to sit and talk about challenges that you're having managing your stack.
0: Well, that's great. Well, thank you very much, Anita. We really appreciate it. And uh, we wanted to thank everyone else uh, for listening to the Next CMO podcast. Uh, So please make sure you subscribe and review the podcast, because if you review it, it's going to get found. You can also follow us on Twitter at Next CMO and tell all your friends how awesome it is. Also, make sure you check out uh, Dan and my company, Plana on twitter at plana.com or on or, or at plana or on the web at plana.com thanks and we'll see you next time